Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. So today, um, I have a, uh, an, I'm going to begin a new series today, and uh, can you see that? Okay. Um, and I'm calling it the Petra series, Foundational Truths for a Strong Church. Foundational Truths for a Strong Church. And uh, we'll, we'll, t- today I really want to just set a foundation for what we're going to do in the weeks ahead and encourage you to invite people to church. And we'll do the offering after this message. But, you know, you'll probably say, Pastor David, we, I've heard this message a hundred a hundred times, a thousand times. That's like the person who said, yeah, have you been to the Miriamus? Ah, I've been to the Miriamus thousands of times. Well, how old are you, you know? <laughs> it's a slight exaggeration. But, you know, I've heard this message on build your house on the rock a hundred times. I'm sure you have. It's good to remind yourself of it as well. But let's read that in Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was its fall. Amen. Now, we've heard, we have heard that scripture many, many times. But when it comes to talking about foundation, foundation specifically, I believe this to be true. How you begin will determine how you end. I'm talking specifically about foundations because... I know in other ways, my past is not my future. You know, my, my former self is not going to be my latter self. Amen. Our beginnings weren't good. But this is an exception to that rule. You have to start on the right foundation. And if you don't do that, you're heading for disaster. And there needs to be, I believe, a lot of thought spirit-inspired and spirit-led thought about how we put our lives together, how we build the church, all the while remembering that it is, in fact, God that says, I am building my church. And the, whole, the purpose of this series is for us to multiply followers of Christ. There is no other reason for doing anything in church, really, and we all have to take that on the chin, you know, because we regret missed opportunities so many times. I think I was having a conversation with someone just the other day about a missed opportunity, but to know that God will preserve people so that they can hear the gospel, we've got to believe that there'll be, but when he gives you your second chance, don't miss it. But it's better that we do, we are obedient the first time. Amen. I want to ask you some questions this morning. Should the church be strong? Yes. Yeah, it shouldn't be weak. It should be strong. And I want to look in this series, what are the qualities and character of a strong church? 
What increases the strength of the church? What threatens strength and makes us weak? What creates weakness in us? And we all know that parable about putting new wine into old wineskins, eh? But there's another way you could put that. You can't put new life into an old lifestyle. You can't put new life into an old lifestyle because inevitably the new life's going to be lost somewhere there. And so all of us need, needed, I certainly did, or still need a fresh and a new foundation to support and give structure to new life and new things. Amen? Do you agree with that? And what do I mean by that? We're not refounding the church, okay? We're not refounding the church. The church of Jesus Christ has already been established. And it doesn't matter if I'm here or not, or if Alex is here or not. The church is going to prevail whether you and I are here or not. The church of Jesus Christ has been established and it will never go anywhere. It'll go all the way through the book of Revelation until Jesus comes back again and it will go on into eternity. It makes no difference if we decide or choose that we're going to forsake it or turn our backs on it. It's going to go on. It's going to go on. Amen? But all of us are living stones. And we're all, I think all of us, refounding or attending to our foundations of our personal lives. Amen. It's a good thing. You can have a foundation, but every now, in fact, I just recognized this this week. We had new doors put in. We had a window and put doors in, and I was looking underneath the patio doors, and I noticed that the bricks that are at soil level have begun to erode. And I thought, oh, I never noticed that before. I better get that checked out and get that seen to. I better attend to my foundation. I better attend to it, you know, quickly. So, you know, we're living stones and we're coming together to see the church become beautiful. You're all beautiful people, but we're coming together to see the church look beautiful. We're coming together to see the church look glorious, to be glorious, amen, to see it truly answering the brokenness that's in the world and to each of us serve our purpose in seeing it fulfilling prophecy. Prophecy is very real, very real, that the church is going to be one, united without spot or blemish when Jesus comes back again. Amen. So all, every single one of us has a part to play in that. And I think about Peter. I think he was one of the most prominent disciples, at least to me, one of the most memorable disciples, Peter. And I think it's because of his nature, He was definitely a conflicted guy when it came to transitioning from his old life to, you know, to his new one. And when I was preparing the the message, I almost put, you know, I almost used the word merging instead of transitioning. And I thought merging, that's, that's not right because I think a lot of our struggle as Christians comes from trying to merge two positions. You can't merge two positions. You know what I'm saying? It's, we can transition from old to new. I was, the old, the, the, the old uh, all things have passed away, all things become new. And I'm trying to drag all the old in and merge it with the new. Mm-mm. 
doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work, as they say in Ayrshire, doesn't work? And so we're trying to, we're not trying to merge two positions. If you merge an existing and familiar lifestyle into the new ways that Jesus introduces us to, it doesn't work. And we just done a series a little while ago on his ways, God's ways. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it really is true that we have to walk in his ways. His ways are special ways. And we have to discover what those ways are. Amen. And so sometimes we try and run our ways in parallel with his ways. But it's better that one give way to the other. Amen. And that's a radical change. It's a radical change to leave that behind. It's an exciting change. But who knows when it comes to change how much we resist change so intensely and really change is just the process through which things become different. Things become different. We substitute something that's old, unwanted, or obsolete for something better. Do you believe that God wants something better for your life? Yes. Amen. Do you believe that God wants something better for our town, our church, our community, for the body of Christ? Amen. He wants something better. Or we take something that we already have and we modify it and bring it up to date. Um, probably some of you uh, know that. Old, well, I say it's a, you know we sing the, the song Cornerstone in church, you know. But there's another hymn that sings, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. It goes to the chorus, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You know, we bring, we bring the anointing. We, we, the, the anointing transfers. It gets passed on. Elijah, Elisha, the anointing moves on. So we're not looking, you know, we, we ask, we often say, Lord, give us a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing. But, you know, um, what we're doing is that we're looking for something better. Always look for something better. Amen. And change in one sense means purging. It means getting rid of something, and purging actually means to purify. So anything that's unwanted or is causing undesirable consequences, we need to purge that. Now, has anyone ever had be, felt constipated? <laughs> not, not, a great, not a great topic at this time in the morning for church, you know. Um, but I think sometimes we need to take a spiritual laxative. You know, we need to take, you know, and, and we, because we get a case of kind of spiritual constipation sometimes, and whether that looks like tradition or we've always done it that way or this is the way we need, things are going to change. Things are going to change. And, um, you know, when there's a blockage somewhere, it's, it's uncomfortable at first. But if you don't deal with it, it eventually becomes very painful, <laughs> doesn't it? And harmful. And changing in a sense of who we are, a new creation sense, it means pur purging our hearts and our lives of things that can't coexist with Jesus Christ. And that's, Im that's important. And that process of change involves some things that are important. First of all is truth. Don't change your life based on a deception or a lie. 
change it based on first the truth, then a revelation, then a conviction. The conviction brings repentance, then forgiveness flows, then covenant is restored, and then purpose is introduced, and then instruction and direction are offered, and that's the, that's the process of change. That's it. That's all the little... Th- and, it, you know, we look for instruction and direction, but we've skipped out two or three of the steps before that. We didn't, we didn't repent. We didn't, we didn't forgive. We didn't really ask for forgiveness. And so, direction, new coordinates. Oh, and I forgot this morning. I was going to bring my compass this morning. And I left the house without it. New coordinates are given, and the next step in the way ahead is revealed. And I was with us, some pupils this week, and I, uh, we were talking about, we're doing a little exercise on how to survive on the moon. And uh, they, get, they get a list of things, and it's like, what, what do you need in the moon in order of priority? They're all like, oh, we need matches to keep warm. And of course, they realize there's no oxygen there. You know, and, and they begin to get their heads around it and they work it out. And then we say, you've got to rendezvous with your mothership. So you need something. Oh, a compass, a compass. But there's no polarity on the moon. A compass doesn't work there. You need, you need a stellar map to be able to see where you're going And our trouble is that Jesus sometimes gives us a destination and we pull out our natural compass. And we can't get to our kingdom destination with a natural compass. We need to have his compass. It's like trying to achieve a kingdom outcome with earthly methods. Amen. So the question I have for us as a church, as a people this morning And every question I ask in this church, I ask of myself, is do we need some change to bring our life back on course? Do we need some change to see us walking into and being part of a strong and a living church? And if we do, we need to begin to put our lives fully and boldly in Christ's hands and let him do a miracle with us. Amen. And there's this question in Mark chapter 8 where Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? That's a great question, Lewis, isn't it? Who, who do you say that I am? Good question. Who do you say that I am? But then there's an amazing moment when Jesus turns to Peter and he says in Matthew 16, uh, verse 18, I, and I tell you, Peter, and uh, uh, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Wow, that Jesus himself telling you, this is what you can do. But there's something interesting about about that there. You see, I always thought that he was saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. But he's not building his church on Peter. He's building his church on a different rock. I want to explain that a little bit further. 
But first of all, I, I want to say, I think a miracle happens when we finally embrace who Jesus says we are. And Jesus says to Peter, he says, I tell you, Peter, you upon and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not be free. But then he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. So here's Peter discovering his purpose when Jesus talks to him here. And that's one of life's biggest questions. Who am I really? And why do I exist? And it all comes down to identity, doesn't it? Without security or confidence in our identity, we fall apart as people. And this is why our heart goes out to people like, you know, people that have been uh, orphaned or left without or father. They don't have a father or mother or someone to care for them. They don't have a guiding light in their lives. Because as far as I can tell, people are looking for affirmation. They're looking for validation. They're looking for information. And, you know, they want someone to tell them that what you're doing is actually okay but their consultations are often misplaced. And they consult with people who are ignorant. And a lot of people get offended when you mention the word ignorant. Ignorant simply means having a lack of knowledge. It's if, I, if I say uh, to Lewis, Lewis, I think you're a wee bit ignorant of that, you're probably going to get really angry with me. But all I'm really saying is you, you don't have the f enough knowledge yet to understand that. But it, it can be quite a blunt, you know, way of putting something over. Isn't that right? So it just means we lack knowledge and people are offended by that term because it, it hurts our pride, doesn't it? So to set this foundation for this series, I want to talk about what this rock is that we build on. And um, some would suppose that the church is built on Peter, but let's see what Jesus said and what he actually meant. And here's the text Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, etc. Now, the New Testament was written in different languages, wasn't it? Can you name some? Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. Um, I don't know if there may have been other smaller dialects or things. Some of the very scholarly people here might know that. But if you study the Greek text, you'll find that the word Peter and the word rock on which Christ was to build his church, they're two separate and distinct words. So Peter in Greek is Petros, which means a piece of rock or a stone, a single stone. It's insecure, it can shift, it can move around. But the word rock there is Petra. And that means a, a cliff, a whole rock, a mo the mother rock, a huge mass, a solid formation that is fixed and immovable and enduring. And if, if you, I, 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 you know, sometimes I think, um, Lord, you know, it would be nice to come in and preach a message on hope and love every Sunday, but we have to also teach sound doctrine. And so I, I pray to God that you'll, you'll hang on for those moments when we're just teaching doctrine as well. And the word, for Pet, for, uh, the word Petrus for Peter in the Greek is masculine, and the word Petra for the rock is feminine. So they're two distinctly different words. Amen? They're different. 
Petros is masculine and Petra is feminine. Now, the question was, on which of these two did Jesus Christ say, I'm going to build my church on it, or what am I going to establish it on? Was it Petros, which is a part of a stone, a movable bit, a bit that's shifting, or was it on Petra, the mother rock, the immovable rock? It was the, it was the latter. It was Petra, the, the cliff, the gigantic, humongous rock. Amen? So that's who Jesus is building his true church upon. Amen? And we go to another scripture in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4 that confirms that. And it says there, have you got that scripture there? 1 Corinthians 10 4, they drank of that spiritual rock, Petra, that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Not there. It would be handy to have that one up. That's a key scripture. 1 Corinthians 10.4. So here we've got evidence, amen, that Petra refers to, uh, to the rock, amen, not to Peter. And we know the song Cornerstone, don't we? Ephesians 2.20, Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Actually, Ephesians, he is the chief cornerstone. Um, Deuteronomy 30, 32 verse 4, he is the rock and his work is perfect, referring to Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11, for, for, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So no one can bring a new foundation. If anyone comes, and this is where people will say, you, you know, you've missed it. This is actually what the word, we have, we can own, there's only one foundation. There's only one foundation. And I think one of the, the wiles of the enemy is to try and get us to move to a different foundation. There's only one and it's going to stay true. It's going to stay true forever. Amen. So here we go. So can, can we agree that and, P, and, and Paul agrees as well, who wrote the, these books, Corinthians, etc. that if anyone ever claims to be the head of the church, they're wrong. And um, there's denominations that believe that there is someone who's the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. No other apostle, man, be whatever, it's only Jesus. So whose testimony should we accept? Amen. Romans 3, 4 says, let God be true, but every man a liar. He is true. And long before Jesus was born, he was considered to be the rock. Amen. Isaiah declares, thus saith the Lord, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Amen? So let's not be confused or confounded or mixed up. The, the rock upon which the church is being built is Jesus Christ. And I want to use that for the weeks going ahead because we're going to look at all sorts of um, different personal and corporate things that we need to do to be a strong church. Amen? So when you go away this week and you pray, 
make one of your prayers, Psalm 61. Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. So let's move on knowing that Petra is the rock of ages. Amen. And rocks are powerful things, you know, the, 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 knowing what, what exactly how powerful that is, because the, the Bible describes people as having a rock of offense, which means it's something that is so huge and, and difficult to shift, a rock of offense. So when he says, I am the rock that the church is built upon, that's important, amen? And so you might see this slide up here, and that, if you hadn't known, maybe is, that's Filey Beach, where that was taken. That's my own photo, by the way. That's Filey Beach, and that was a very ornate sandcastle structure there, and it was very detailed, and it had moats, and it had walls, and it had ramparts, and all sorts of things. And I think that if everyone here meditated for five minutes on that photograph, you could probably all come up with a message. Perhaps you see the detail in the sandcastles and you think of all of the focus and the effort that was put on that and then you remember that only in a few hours time a tide is going to come and it's going to sweep that creation away as if it never existed or you might picture someone coming along and trampling that underfoot but just as you look at that you see sand how does sand bind together it's movable it shifts all the time it's got no real structure. And all it is is the eroded parts of rocks and shells. And actually, I didn't know this, but it's like sea organism poop as well. All of that stuff is all makes up sand. And um, you can't build anything with dry sand. It has to be wet. You have to introduce moisture to build. If it's dry, it doesn't work. You cannot, it cannot maintain its form but when you start to engineer sand and you moisten it, you can reform it many times over. And I thought I was thinking about this, about my own life. How do you take something that is weak and unstable, really unstable, and create a solid and strong foundation out of that? And that is what we want to look at in the weeks ahead. How do you take something that is weak and unstable and make it strong and make it part of something that is strong? And just like that hymn said, all our lives are like shifting sand. There's always shifting. We look around us right now and they're shifting everything. And we have to make sure that to do anything with sand, because sand eventually can become things like, you might see some of these motorway bridges over the M8. Do you know that it's sand that's behind all of those big polygonal rocks? And it's in layers of sand with a special membrane in between so that the sand will not lose form and just go down. So we have to make sure there's no contaminating material in the sand. Amen? Every individual grain itself has to be of a certain structure and strength. And all of the, the grains of sand have to be graded or chosen. You can't just take all sorts of sand and put it together. The sand all has to be graded and chosen. And I think that's what Jesus does with us. He, he choose, he's chosen you. He chooses us. He says, I see all of you coming together. All of you coming together. And so this is what this series is going to be about. 
And as I bring this little short foundational introduction message to a close, here's the things that we're going to be looking at in the weeks to come. We're going to be looking at our personal and our corporate spiritual lives. And the reason I'd like to do that is so that we can build stronger relationships with each other. So that stronger relationships equal a stronger church. Stronger church equals stronger community. Amen. So I'm going to be looking at things like personal devotion. Quiet time. The mechanics of that. What, is, what even is quiet time? Why do we need quiet time? Why do we need to be intimately connected to God? We're going to be looking at worship. We're going to be looking at evangelism. And I believe it's going to lead to evangelistic steps out of this church into the surrounding areas. Because the, the word tells us about a great falling away in the days that have to come. So I want to know, God, what does a strong local church look like? Amen. Because at the end of the day, uh, my dad says this all the time, when you stand in front of him, you want him to say, well done, good and faithful service, not well. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not our opinions. It's not our opinions that matter. Lord, you t I need to go by your standard. You, the, the success of the church is not measured by how I think the church is going or how you think the church is going. The success of the church is determined upon how God says the church should look. And I was having a chat with someone yesterday and I says, how do you, you know, how do you know a crooked line is crooked unless you know what a straight line looks like? You've got to know, you, so we need a reference point. We need a datum. And the God's truth gives us that. So we're going to look at that. And we're going to look at our co-mission. Reaching beyond co-winning, because we've still got Jerus uh, you know, our Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea. Discipleship, we're going to look around that. Sound doctrine. You know, the Bible says we, we must leave behind the elementary teachings of Christ and move on to maturity. What, but do you remember something else that verse said, very important about foundations? It says, lay not again the foundations. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith in God. Amen. So we're going to look at that. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.